0: Long, long, long ago, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, there was a man named Isaiah, and he spoke for God. And one of the lines that he said, we call it Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, but one of the lines he said, and he actually had a longer uh, longer, uh, speech here, longer things he was saying, but I just want to focus on this first verse of what he started to say. He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Though those words were spoken so many years ago, for many of us, I am sure, we look at those things and we say, a land of darkness, of deep darkness. And we might feel ourselves to be in the middle of such a time. And I would not necessarily argue with you, by the way, that things look pretty bleak. That there's a lot of things that go... Opposite of what we'd like to see them go. I would want to, however, ask you this morning, if you can for a moment at least picture these words spoken about a people dwelling in deep darkness and thinking of darkness that would exist before Jesus was on the scene. Before there was a Messiah that you can read about or talk about or encourage one another with. Before we start feeling too sorry for ourselves of how awful and miserable our times are, pause for a moment to think about what it means to say that we can at least encourage each other with the fact that Jesus, there's a Jesus, the name of Jesus, that Jesus Christ came. These words, when they were uttered, were before Jesus was here. If you think it was dark or it is dark now, I suspect we should reconsider what it would look like if it's still off in the distance sometime. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them Light has shown. My goal is very simple this morning. Is to share a Christmas message, recognizing that even though there are lots of things that are not the way we'd like them to be in our world today, and I'm not gonna argue with anyone about that. It seems, in fact, for us here, they are just getting worse and worse and rapidly so. Even though those things are true, today I want to share a message. Of what Christmas means, because I believe, now, many of you, if you know me very well, or my wife can attest to this, that for lots of years, I was, maybe still am to some degree, known as a bit of a Scrooge at Christmas time. I don't do a whole lot of celebrating of Christmas stuff. But the older I get, that makes me sound old just saying that, <laughs> the older I get, I recognize what a precious, incredible thing Christmas really is. Now, I was still a little bit, a little, the whole celebration stuff, I don't get all, but the fact that Jesus came, this morning I want to share with you what Christmas means, and you could, there, there could be many more things shared than what I'm going to say this morning. I'm going to pick four, what I feel like are four very distinct themes that for me personally are something that is, just makes Christmas so special, just makes the, 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 the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ something that is beyond anything else that we have to talk about. I'm going to begin right from this verse. I'm going to launch right from this verse this idea that there was this darkness and and there was a light that came. And when we read about the gospel from the gospel of John, he picks up from the very beginning this theme of light coming into darkness. John chapter 1. These words I think should be very familiar because I read them often certainly in the last series we're doing right here in foundations. I've read them several times. I'm going to read them again because they're about the coming of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Then listen to verse 4. We often read we know those first three. Listen to verse 4. In him was life. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light, John says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pay attention to these. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, these are beginning to be keys for us, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And, verse 14, we close with, and the word became flesh And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The first theme, the first meaning of Christmas I want to point to is the fact that we have light in this darkness. That though the darkness is heavy and pervasive, and oppressive, and all around us, there's light in the darkness. There's a light shining. There's a light that came. There is the light, which is the life of men. Now, you see, i changed the stage up a little bit this morning. I tried to give it a little more homey feel, and I want to do something that I don't normally do, which is to share the space that I have. Usually every Sunday morning, you're stuck listening to me all Sunday morning long, and I'm sorry if that's unfortunate for you. If you don't like that, I suppose you have other choices Sunday morning, so I guess that it tells me something, but uh, I don't want to do that this morning. I want to give others from among you a chance to also share with me this morning these things about what Christmas means. And so I've chosen. I'm not choosing at random. So if you if you not if you don't know about this, don't don't start getting scared and think I'm going to call you out and tell you to come up here and talk. I've, ch- I've 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 let people know ahead of time. But I want to hear from some of you what some of these themes mean to you personally. And so this morning I'm going to have Aaron come up and join me up here. And uh, this theme of light in the darkness for me it's so precious. I feel like I'm stumbling around so many times, like I need so much help. And to know that light came and shone in my own darkness is huge. But I want to hear from from some of you guys. I want you to hear from some of the rest of you. So, Aaron, I'm going to sit down with you so that you're not the only one sitting and I'm standing up. This
1: is going to be a little less optimistic than what Pastor was talking about, but uh, he just told me to bring uh, something about light. And uh, as I was investigating and I tried to hone in on something short, because it could be days of talking about God or Jesus coming to the world as light. Um, <laughs> I realized it just, the concept kind of came out and it's, it's not a Christmassy light, like the nice soft light here in a fireplace or a lamp light, you know, with the ambiance and a Hallmark movie sitting by the fire. The light coming to the world made a decisive interruption into the wicked darkness that was. And as I started reading and studying it, um, it became so very obvious. And so um, it'll maybe come off a little more formal, but I wrote stuff down and and he already stole some of the thunder on one of the scriptures. But again, he wanted it to be very organic, so he didn't want to give me too much of a heads up about what he was going to say because he wanted it to be from the congregation. So uh, first, what does it mean that light came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ? So what does that actually mean? Um, well, first, what does light do? We have to understand what light does. What is the character, the character of light? Because um, Jesus used his analogy for reason. It simultaneously exposes and illuminates at the same time. The very same light that exposes our wrinkles can illuminate our path. Um, Jesus makes it very... Poignant and cuts to the point as he usually does um, in John three nineteen through 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. What he has done has been done through God. So there are two camps that are described here, and you'll see this throughout Scripture. Those who reject and hate the light because it indicts them, that is the world, those who don't receive him, and those who embrace the light to expose their sin so as to repent or for repentance and walk in it for guidance. Sanctification, guidance in the truth, understanding, wisdom, all of that is encompassed in the flashlight or the bright spotlight that is the light of God and the light of the Holy Spirit. These are the sons of light, referred to in John 12, 36. Now Jesus, the light of the world, will divide the human race into these opposing camps. There's no difference. He's coming, he comes with the sword, the double-edged sword of truth, and you will be in one of these two camps. The, The Apostle John writes... What pastor already referred to, I think it's worth honing in on, though, because this is very, very important. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but children born of God. That's John 1, 12 and 13. So we're born of God, not from around here, from on high, from heaven. He comes and gives us a new birth. We put to death the flesh, and we live in him, regenerated, new, filled with the Holy Spirit to go forward. So being born supernaturally by his spirit, we're called out of darkness into his wonderful light, 1 Peter 2, nine. We, the sons of light, ought to by nature expose and illuminate the deeds of darkness. So light exposes and illuminates darkness, and we by nature should do that, because the light of the world came into us. Amen. Our righteous acts and truthful words ought to emit a response from the people. Either making disciples or enemies. Understand there is no third option. You will either make disciples or enemies by bringing the light into the world. Because that's what he does. And that, that's the, that was the point. The, the really beautiful Hallmark card, Jesus in a manger... It is light to us. It's a smell of death to those who are perishing, but it is wonderful news. It is good news to us, but we have to understand that it is the sword. He's bringing the sword of truth, and it divides, and we need to make a decision on what we think of him. And so in this season in which an American tradition dictates that we flatter the light of the world as though they care, as though the world cares, they flatter him, and he's so wonderful this time of year, Don't be fooled. The American world hates him. They hate him just like the Jewish world hated him. I'm reading a little bit about Mennonite history. They hate him just like the early Mennonite fathers were hated because of truth, because of light. They were killed. They were martyred. The world will always hate the light because it exposes its darkness. And and, America is no different. Their deeds are evil. Our deeds once were evil when we were in the world and we've been called out. So I just wanted to exemplify this pastor said you know you can you know come example maybe something in your life but i found it best to look in the scripture for an example because i fall short often but there's a powerful story that exemplifies the incompatibility of light and darkness in acts chapter 7 it's stephen stephen after illuminating jewish history by instructing the instructors the phds of history or Judaism, He exposes them in no uncertain terms for not recognizing their own Messiah. They, of course, were in darkness. They didn't have light. So he's bringing the light to them to show them. In fact, he calls them a stiff-necked people that always resist the Holy Spirit, and he claims that they have helped murder their own Messiah. So this, this shows you it's not about seeker sensitivity that makes the kingdom grow. It's about bringing, saying what God wants you to say. It doesn't really matter what we want to say. Saying what God wants to say. And that is bringing the light into darkness. So for allowing the Holy Spirit to bring the light into darkness, this son of light was extinguished by stones. They murdered him. They killed him. He was the first major martyr. And what the devil intended for evil, God intended for good. Because you can't extinguish the light. You just can't. Because God is light, and he will have his witness through us. And so, was the light actually extinguished? No. Right after this, in Acts chapter 8, it is recorded. Because on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church, and all except the apostles were scattered. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So in this way, the light was sent out beyond Jerusalem to confront darkness elsewhere. So the darkness tried to snuff out the light, but all it did was disseminate the light throughout the Jewish world. And then, of course, we know as persecutions kept going and people spread along the Roman roads, all of the Roman Empire, so that here we are in Michigan, believers. It spread, the light spread. And it was a sacrifice like this where Stephen, like the... The face of an angel, lit up by the light of God, died a martyr's death. And so I would leave us with this. We must decide what to do with the light that came to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Some of us here may not actually live in the light. Some of us may live in the shadows and the darkness so that we can keep our wicked deeds, so we can keep our flesh, so we can continue to gratify the flesh. Because make no difference, there is no being a worldly Christian, there is no carnal Christian, there is no lukewarm Christian. There is someone who lives in the light and asks for revelation and for God to show us and to do his will through us. Even if, like for me, I'm talkative, I'm not real comfortable standing in front of a lot of people talking, just a couple at a time. But we obey the light and we allow God to use us in the light. So what will we do with this light that came in the world? Will we just celebrate him and, oh, he was so cute, he was a baby, this is wonderful, let's have some turkey now. Or will we say, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? And do I die to self and let the light shine, truly, like Stephen did? Or do I just say, well, I got a little bit of Christianity, that'll get me into heaven. It won't get you into heaven. A little bit of Christianity will get none of us to heaven. So I say, allow this light to use us, as Stephen To boldly proclaim the truth in the darkness, and come whatever may. Thank you, Aaron. Now, by
0: the way, for the other ones that are coming up here, you don't. If you're getting a little scared right now because this guy came up here with like three pages and all these notes, job well done, by the way. You did did an excellent job, my friend. Thank you, Aaron. You did a good job of getting us set up for the the place where we're going to end the message today. So I, I love the fact that uh, we didn't do a lot of prep beforehand. I didn't tell them what I was going to share. Where are we going to go with all this stuff? And uh, the light came in the darkness, and it illuminates. I love the words you used. And uh, it also exposes, or, or it, and it also cleanses. And Mai was going to ask the very same question. You already asked it for me. What will we do with the light? Are we going to ex- receive the light and allow it to, it to purify us, or are we going to hide from it? wanting to, uh, to not have our things exposed, our sins exposed. That brings us to the point that we have some needs, right? Well, let me keep on going here because I want to jump back to, I'm going to do the same thing I did before. I'm going to jump back to, this time to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, to bring our second one out here, the second theme I have, the second point I have. In Isaiah seven fourteen, this is what we studied in Sunday school this morning. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Isaiah said to the people. Actually, he was saying this to the king. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And again, uh, th- some things happened right on the scene right there, and, and, and people, some people said this was the fulfillment of this, but there was a greater fulfillment coming. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This morning in Sunday School, we talked a little bit about the fact that, like, we often tend to do when something doesn't seem to be possible with something, for example, that Scripture says, it doesn't seem like it should fit that way, that we tend to just kind of uh, twist it around or or, or say, well, massage it a bit or say, well, maybe like this. And for many of us, when you'd hear uh, someone say, well, a virgin's going to give birth to a baby, you'd say, well, that's not possible. So clearly, he means something different. And yet, wonder of wonders... When we start reading the New Testament in the very first uh, gospel of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, we read exactly this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, there's fulfillment of that prophecy right there. Huge, dynamic, dynamite kind of stuff that's going on here. She will bear a son. He's from the Holy Spirit. I know he's not from you, Joseph. And you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And then, in verse 22, Matthew says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, he adds to what Isaiah said, and he said this name Emmanuel means something which means God with us. For me, there's lots of wonderful things happening in this text. There's the fulfillment of prophecy. There's this idea that God is moving forward with things. But for me, nothing comes home to a a, a deeper uh, meaning than what the name Emmanuel means. God with us. if I begin with an understanding that I have sin in my life, that I'm not perfect, and I understand even further that because I have sin in my life and I'm not perfect, that I'm separated from God because of that, that I can't be with God, that puts me in a place where the thing that I want more than anything to be with God, to be in the presence of my creator, to be in this place of of perfect, of everything being perfect, just perfectness, I can't be there. Then the fact that God can be with me is huge, is paramount. It's one thing to say that light came in the darkness and I'm not discounting anything we talked about already because all these things, they, they go together. But it's one thing to say light came in the darkness and suddenly there's a choice you have to make. Receive or don't receive. That's one thing. It's entirely different to recognize that the creator of the heavens and the earth decided to come and be with us. God with us. Now, once again, I don't want to be the one to tells you all this stuff. Mitch, why don't you come on up here? I'm going to ask, I asked Mitch to share just a few thoughts from, uh, from him personally. And again, I don't know if it's going to come out like Aaron said or come out completely different. I have no idea. I just gave them a short assignment and said, give me three to four minutes or whatever it is about what it means for this theme for you. So Mitch, why don't you come and share with us what it means to you that God is with us, that God, that Emmanuel came, that Jesus was born and uh, that meant God was with us.
2: Gave me the easy question, you know that, right?
0: I just handed them out. I didn't.
2: See all the preparation I got here, it's it's intense. But uh <clears throat> I thought about this a lot and that's just a hard question to answer, God with us. So I mean I I it just kept on going around in my head. God with us so what how do you answer what it doesn't even make any sense that an immortal all-powerful all-knowing i mean he speaks and things are created from his words and he's mindful of corruptible sinful man it's it's incredibly humbling but to me personally God with us from my life experience, as little as it's been, but uh, he's been a guide to me. Um, I I can't tell you the number of times that I've goofed up and he's just kind of pointing me back on the right path, you know, Uh, conviction and just feeling the leading of the spirit and following that and being obedient and he's just a guide. And then another thing God with us he's an example an example on how to love that he came down from heaven just from his throne and to serve us and to sacrifice himself for us I mean that's there's no greater greater definition for love than that I it's incredible to me and then again how to be obedient cuz cuz when jesus was in the garden he was saying if this cup can pass if there's any other way take this cup from me and he said not my will but your will so i mean he had all the power but he submitted himself to his father's will and that he went through the most how do I say this he went through the hardest things possibly you can imagine and he didn't shake he didn't he wasn't scared I mean I get scared about things in my life and it's nothing compared to that I I have doubts and I have questions and I have fears but it's not like God's asking me to do anything like Jesus went through for me and kind of makes me feel pretty terrible but no one's perfect so um god with us another thing it means to me is we get the holy spirit he's a counselor and he's a comforter which lord knows i need counsel and the comforter part really it means a lot to me because uh when I lost my dad when I was 15 years old uh, that was really hard and I struggled a lot in my faith I kind of I kind of went into full tilt rebellion from the Lord but um, after my time of rebellion was over and I came back to the Lord he showed me just how he was there for me every day in different ways just little things that you wouldn't think mattered but he was still there and it's incredible. Um, another thing is a constant sense of peace. I I don't know how to explain it, but when I rebelled from the Lord, I was I always had rage within me, and I was always angry, and I was just looking for someone to do the wrong thing so I could well beat them up because I was just mad. But that's all gone for me, and when I'm just not thinking about nothing you know you got a clear mind there's just a sense of peace and happiness and joy and and that's obviously God being with us that gives you that Um, obviously the biggest one salvation without him being with us we have no hope um I'll, I'll end it with this little thing that I wrote here um it's hard for me to comprehend how the eternal God puts so much effort into mortal and corruptible man. I guess I have a way to go to understand the true meaning of love. But God has done everything he can. He gives us the choice. That's When I'm dealing with people who are struggling with things, and they want to do the right thing, but they don't, I tell them everything in life is a choice, even your salvation. Even even serving God, an almighty, all-powerful God who could force his will on us, but he doesn't. He gives you a choice. So, for me, that's what Emmanuel, God with us, means.
0: Thank you very much, Mitch. Once again, you provided a good bridge for me. I didn't know what all you were going to say, but uh, you provided a good bridge for me to the next uh, the next part. And once again, you reminded us that there's a choice, a choice that we have to make, so... I appreciate that very much. God with us. You know, even when light came in the darkness and began to illuminate how desperately we needed help, and even when God came down to us, and these things, a couple of these things have been mentioned already, but even when all that happened, there still is this problem of our sin. Even when you say God came to us, it doesn't bring complete reconciliation yet, does it? There's an interesting psalm I want to read for you this morning. I'm going to read part of it for you, Psalm 85. I'm going to start in verse 4 because it says this. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Now, those uh, words undoubtedly had a different meaning as they were penned for a group of people in a different time frame. At the same time, I want to pick up on that theme and recognize that when we become aware of our sin, which the light does, the light doesn't give us a choice. It exposes and says, you you either receive the light, you change, you recognize that God came, and that means if you want to receive him, something has to leave, or you say, I don't want that. You reject it. You begin to ask that question. He goes on in verse 6 to say, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And then he says this, Verse 10, and I'm going to choose to personify these words this morning. I think you know what personify means. The uh, writer of the Proverbs does this all the time. He takes words, and he turns them into a person and says they represent a person. I'm going to personify these verses. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps a way. Typically, you might read those verses and think that it's God showing his kindness, and the land brings forth fruitfulness. I submit to you, as I personify them this morning, in the sending of Jesus Christ, As a baby, this is precisely what God did. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. It's the meeting of those two things. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good. What is the best and most good thing that the Lord can give to us? What is it? You tell me. What's the best and most good thing the Lord can give us? It's Jesus, right? Because of salvation. I mean, it is salvation, but it becomes, it's Jesus. The best thing God can give us is Jesus. And when he does, our land will yield increase. And he says of Jesus, righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Jesus said, right, I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm going to go back to verse 8 to pick up what I want to say here. I want to hear what God has to say, for he will speak peace to his people. You, peace is this thing that we often think is the absence of conflict, but peace really means oneness or wholeness. If the thing that we need more than anything is to be made one with God, then one of the greatest things that is necessary for me to bring out of the story of Christmas is being made one again. You know, Jesus was born. We talked about this. He was born, and we have this scene, and Mary and Joseph were in the stable. They were with the animals, but there was something happening outside the city, and I want to read about that because it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. These words are so familiar to us, right? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When the light came, there was fear there. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and look at what they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When that wonderful, accompanied by the chorus of angels, when that wonderful pronouncement of Jesus' birth came, what did he choose to highlight? God gets the glory, but we get the peace. Peace to those of us on earth among whom his favor rests. Oneness, wholeness, restoration, That which Mitch was talking about, instead of the rage and the anger and the the, the uncomfortableness inside of here, instead of the looking for everything that everyone else is doing wrong, instead of the, the feeling of unsettledness all around us, inside of us, is peace. Being right with our Creator. Ruby, why don't you come up here? I asked you to speak about peace to me I've had so many times, before Ruby, and you can just come on up here and sit down, but I've had so many times in my life that I've realized what a mess I've made of things. I'm just talking to you personally, how my pride has gotten me in such trouble. And over and over and over again, I realize how desperately I need the peace that Jesus brought. The ability to be made right, to confess sin, to be made right in those things, and to receive peace. I don't want to take words away from you, so I want to let you talk, Ruby. Ruby, why don't you tell us, share some thoughts about what you what peace means to you.
3: Well, I'm really challenged with <clears throat> with that proclamation that the angels said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill to men, or peace to men on whom his favor rests. Those angels could have said anything, I suppose but they i'm sure god told them what to say and why did uh, why did god have them say what they did we may wonder but to me the message of peace finds a resting place in my heart jesus is the prince of peace prophesied by isaiah 9:6 that the prince of peace will come or his name will be called prince of peace And God's peace will not come to all, but to those God is pleased to call to himself, to all who will receive the gift of the Prince of Peace. And to me, peace begins with my relationship with God. Peace in my heart, um, peace of conscience, nothing between my soul and the Savior that's important that's the most important thing I have peace with God and then I need peace with others Um, especially with my family my church family too and accepting one another in love peace in our homes Um, we can choose we have to choose peace is a choice sometimes things irritate us um In our marriage, my husband sees the big things, and that's important to him. I see the details, and so we can choose. Are we going to get frustrated with each other? Um, He wonders why it takes so long to do things. (laughs) I move more slowly than he does. But I wonder why he doesn't hang his towel up straighter. (laughs) 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 just... (laughs) I tried to teach him how, but <laughs> but I can choose um, am I going to be upset about that or am I just going to hang it up for him. And so I, I try that. And I know I've sometimes in some homes um, men don't close the cupboard doors, and well, I'm glad Jerry does. But um, you can choose are you going to be upset about that or are you just going to close it for him and just forget it. And then, um, peace with our circumstances. Um, I have to think of the poem, In Acceptance, Liath Peace, written by Amy Carmichael. She was a, a missionary to India many years, in another century. But she said, peace is not found in forgetting, nor is it found in endeavor, in aloofness, or in submission to defeat, but rather it is found in acceptance. In acceptance lieth peace, acceptance of our circumstances over which we have no control, knowing that someday God will explain to us just why that had to happen. If I can accept my circumstances, I have peace that sustains me and that's my rock. And I like those verses that you read in Psalm eighty-five, ten. I will listen. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace yes. to his people. What does the Lord have for me today? I can search his word. I will hear. I will listen. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid.
0: Thank you, Ruby. I'm going to reach for one more theme this morning. We've talked about light in the darkness. I'm so grateful that at Christmas we can celebrate light in the darkness. We talked about the fact that God is with us, that that, when Jesus came, it was Emmanuel, God with us. And that uh, we have peace, that peace was ushered in. There's maybe one more theme, and maybe you're going to feel like it's a variant of a theme I already talked about, but I want to reach way back, and uh, not just uh, back to Isaiah, but I want to reach way back, even way before Isaiah, to a man named Moses, and when Moses was speaking to the people of Israel and giving them the commands of the Lord and how to be covenant people with the Lord, and uh, they were in this process of having said, God came to them and said, I want to be your God, and will you be my people? And they said, yes, and that's a bit like Jesus coming and, and offering to us. Will you trust in me? And, and we say, yes. And as, as Moses was uh, sharing these things with them, uh, he said these words. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, and these are, this is way back. This is, this is way back in the Old Testament, and God is already saying stuff like this. Moses says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. He's talking to a brand new established people of God. and He says, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. In other words, he's referring back to when the people said, Moses, you talk to God and not me. We'll just listen to you. He's saying, there's gonna be one coming like that. And the Lord said to me, verse 17, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Interesting set of verses. You may say, well, that's stuff that was long forgotten. We have all these other wonderful prophecies about about Jesus. But I want to remind you, way back with Moses, God said, I will send one who is like Moses to you. And he will say the words that I have to say. And it is to him you shall listen. And again, we are brought to this place where we have to choose. Ruby, you talked about in peace, peace comes when we accept things, right? That's a choice, right? You talked about, will I, will I get mad that the cupboard door's not shut, or will I, will I accept it, and will I just shut it? It's a choice. And God said, I will send one like Moses, and you shall listen to him. Again, that comes with a choice, Right? I'm reminded, we read, I read these verses and I want to read them again to you. I read them for our foundation series. They're verses that for some reason right now, God just is continually bringing back to my mind over and over again. And they bring joy to me. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. This is the story of Jesus. This is Christmas, verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, all those years passed. Moses spoke them, years passed. Isaiah spoke words, years passed. And finally we came to the Christmas message. And now this is said after that even. Said when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. We have the choice of receiving adoptions as sons. But it's those words that God sent forth his Son. I, there's something, I mean, uh, again, maybe you say it's an overlap and maybe I'm making a big deal about it. But for me personally, there's something about the fact that it wasn't just like God said, hey, i got to come up with some plan and I have all these options and I'll pick one of them. And maybe we'll. No, it's that God said, my people need help desperately and I'm going to send my son Jesus down there. There's, there's a very direct action there, right? I'm sending him. I'm not hoping that something works out. I'm not... I'm not debating that maybe it could go this. I'm sending Jesus specifically to accomplish some purpose. And he sent Jesus down here. Now, by the way, you may wonder what, why I started with that reference. I want to go back to the book of Acts. There's a, there's a story in the book of Acts. Remember when Peter heals, heals this guy as they're on the way to the temple? It's, uh, maybe, maybe, I should, maybe I can call it the second big sermon that they preach. The first one, of course, is when, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And the second big sermon, because there's big, this big stirring because he's healed this guy that's been at the temple gate for years and years and years. And they all gather around, and he begins to preach to them. And he says these things. He comes to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he comes to the fact where he says that, that Jesus was the one, and he was killed. And he says in verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And then he says in verse 22, listen carefully. He said, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So he quotes Moses from Deuteronomy 18.15. And he says, you know, Moses said that God will send someone. I'm telling you, Jesus is that man. Verse 24, let me just finish reading this. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We today, by the way, are among that blessing that came through Abraham. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now here we've come to the conclusion of it, Right? Light came into the darkness. It was God being with us, and he was proclaiming peace for all of us. But here it's made clear. God sent Jesus so that every one of us would turn from our wickedness. That's the why behind it. So that every one of us would turn from our wickedness. Well, to me, it means a great deal that Jesus was sent. There's just so much behind that. There's just so much in that. But I want to let someone else talk to you about that, not just me like I've been doing all along. Bryce, why don't you come up here? I asked Bryce to address the subject of Jesus being sent. We're just going to let him share a few things. I, think, I thought it was fitting. He's one of the first guys I thought about as I thought about Jesus being sent. He'll probably explain a bit of that why, why I say that. But uh, Bryce, tell us some things about... I think it's incredibly precious that Jesus was sent, but what does it mean to you that Jesus was sent to us?
4: Uh... Yeah, there's a lot you could go into as it was like thinking about things and trying to kind of narrow it down. Um, there was, it could go a lot of different ways. But the first thing that popped into my mind when you just talk about Jesus being sent or we talk about somebody being sent, period, is that it's uh, there's no guarantee of ease or success or comfort or anything like that. I was thinking about um, others in the Bible who were sent. You, you mentioned Moses. Um, I thought of Jonah, Jeremiah, even Noah, in a way, was sent on a mission. They were sent out with a job to do, something to accomplish. And oftentimes they, in in no particular order, extreme hardship, unbelief, they were mocked. Uh, Jeremiah was thrown in prison. They were sent to a strange place where they didn't belong. They were despised. Um, being sent is not something we all necessarily just jump up and down and say, Hey, send me um and when you think about Jesus being sent you think about where he started from and some of the others mentioned it already he was god he was the one true god i mean like mitch said he spoke words and and things were created that's who jesus is that's who he was and yet he came he was sent to us he became like us he dwelt with us um you were talking about john the word became flesh when jesus became flesh, he dwelt among us. And think about who's writing that that he dwelt among us. It's John, a fisherman. Jesus came and he dwelt with John the fisherman and Peter and the tax collector Matthew. And that's who he hung out with. Um so for him to be sent, it was it was humiliating, it was. And to become a baby, like the most helpless thing possible. So I I guess the first thing I thought of when I thought of what is it to be sent? It's it's not easy. It's hard. Um, there's risk, but um, this is God we're talking about too, and so his his plan of sending Jesus had a hundred percent success rate guaranteed because this is God. <laughs> He's not gonna. His plan would not fail. Um, but what he left behind, uh, he was at God's right hand, and he became helpless. Um, and then I, I guess the next thought I had is that. Um, and all of these things that uh, Merlin's mentioned so far, especially, I guess, um, talking about the light, um, oftentimes, I, I mean, Jesus was an example to us, so especially in relation to the light. Like, Jesus was the light, and we are to be the light. Jesus was sent, and we are sent out. Um, Jesus recognized that he was not received when he was sent, and he warned the disciples that they also um, would be rejected as he would be. Um, so we have that to look forward to because each one of us has sent in John twenty twenty one. 21. Uh, oops, I had it written down. Uh, it's actually this is just an excerpt of the verse. But as, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And that is for each one of us. Um, and so we, we have, uh, we, look at, we look kind of through the history of the church and, and the disciples and what, when they were sent into places, it's not an easy thing to be sent Sometimes, most of the time, um, but thankfully, not all of us are called to get our heads cut off, um, and, and all of us are sent different places that 's the other thing I wanted to point out is that some people are sent right here to White Pigeon, those of you at the Haven, some of you are sent to teach Sunday school in that hall over there. Some of you are sent to be a light in your workplace, maybe your workplace is a dark place, and some of us are sent other places, and I guess I think maybe that 's why Merlin picked on me. Um, some of you guys know something about this. Uh, Rachel and I are, have been working with Bown, Uh Mennonite Church in Clarksville, Michigan for some time now, and we are planning to move up that way um, early this coming year, uh, just kind of as an assistant pastor role for now for me and Rachel, and then eventually the pastor there, Jim Sutter, will be stepping down. Um, I don't, we don't have a hard and fast date on that, but that's kind of what we're working into. So some of you know some about this, and some of you are like, whoa, I had no idea. But it's, it's been in the works for a while, and um, Glenn has been helping kind of with this transition. But for me to be sent, that's what, it, it, it really has, uh, I guess it, it's the rubber meets the road. Um, and so it's exciting. It is a little bit scary. It's a big, it's a big change. Um, but we're, we are excited about it, and I I don't think we're going to be run out of town like some of the disciples were. We're being welcomed there, so it's not that scary. But uh, yeah, we're excited, um, and we do cover your prayers. It's obviously a lot of changes. Um, a new church, a new home we're moving in two and a half months or something like that. New town, new friends, and um, also some of you know something about this, but a new baby. So... Anyway, we're excited about that. Thanks, Merlin, for letting me plug that little announcement in here. That's hey, what I'm I've just,
0: got. I'm just happy. It's like two weeks in a row I get to be part of an exciting announcement that I get to be part of. So that's, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to you. Um, maybe just, Bryce, while you're sitting right here, um, I think I'd maybe it would be good just to say this, uh, to kind of leave no weird thinking or weird thoughts in anyone's mind. I, I want to s- just speak from sort of a, on the pastoral leadership side of things here at the church. Uh, as you mentioned, this is not like a, this is not a brand new idea we've been working for uh, a year two years two and a half years It's been, it's been a long developing process. Uh, we've been aware of it we're working with them we're trying to make a good transition uh, for Bryce to go up there. We are sending him it's it is not uh, we we would love for him to stay. I don't want anything to get uh, mistaken about that, but uh, we recognize that when the Lord calls that we want to also be willing to uh, to do that. So we are sending him with our blessing as a leadership team um, and as a church. Uh, probably when we get down to the last couple of Sundays, we'll have to uh, give an, more of an official send-off, but uh, uh, just want to let you all know that this, is, uh, this comes with our blessing and let you know that it comes with our blessing and, uh, and that we are... Uh, knowing that the Lord is, is in control of what he's doing and sending you, and uh, he will accomplish what he has sent it forth. Just like you mentioned his plan with Jesus, he will accomplish what he's uh, sending you forth for to you. So thank you, Bryce. Now there's one final thing I gotta do to wrap this all up, because so far we've been looking sort of back at the birth of Jesus Christ and talking about the meaning of Christmas. And just to remind you and to encourage you, would you be willing to this Christmas Now, you may have had some family Christmases already, but would you be willing to, this Christmas, to focus on, and maybe you come up with a different list, but to focus on what does Christmas really mean to you? What's the point of it? As the light comes into the darkness, will you receive it or reject it in your own life? As you reflect on the fact that God came near, will you be like the Israelites and say, no, we don't want him? Or will you say this is what I need. Though I'm sinful, this is what I need. Will you receive the peace that's offered? Will you say yes to the Prince of Peace? Will you recognize that it's monumental for God to send Jesus into our midst and I likewise will be willing to be sent wherever that means, whatever that means. But I want to point out one more thing As I'm reading this, and this is one of the things that for me is special about Christmas, knowing that Jesus was sent as a baby, if I would go back and reread verses 19 through 21 of the, of the, the, the sermon that Peter just preached, he's talking about Jesus coming and Jesus dying and Jesus being resurrected. And he says this, he says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Those are things we're well familiar with. But then he says this. And that he may send the Christ. That's the phrase we just, we just, we're just familiar with. He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago, until that time comes. What's he talking about there? If I want to make sure you understand, what's he talking about there? He says you should, knowing what, that Jesus has come, that he died, this is what we celebrate for Christmas, he came, he was sent, he died, he's resurrected, we should repent, we should, uh, we should turn away from our sins so that we may be refreshed by the presence of the Lord and that, we, that he may send the Christ again. What's he talking about? What's he referring to? You fill it in. Make sure you understand. What's he referring to? The next coming, right? You see, the fact that Jesus was sent is incredible to me with the birth of Christ. But that's not the only sending of Jesus that I'm looking forward to or that I'm grateful that is going to happen. A huge part of the meaning of Christmas is not just what Jesus accomplished when he came as a baby the first time, but it's what it points to that Jesus will be sent the second time. You see, in the same way that the first time the mouths of the prophets spoke about many things and Jesus fulfilled them, Peter says the same thing. He says he has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago, but he's talking about the fact that heaven has to receive Jesus, that's the resurrected Jesus, heaven has to receive Jesus, that's where he began, right? He came here, he has to receive Jesus back until that appointed time, and we want to repent, and turn from our wicked ways that we may be refreshed by the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ again. Jesus being sent didn't apply just once, but it's coming again. May your Christmas reflect that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, what you've done through Jesus. We give you all the glory. We echo what the angel said, glory to you in the highest. And we gladly receive peace. We want to be among those upon whom your favor rests. And we believe that that is true when our hearts are softened before you and yielded before you, when we receive the light that was sent, when we don't reject jesus but we receive him we believe on his name that we too might become sons and daughters of god born not of the will of man born not of flesh but born of you father of the holy spirit thank you father may our celebration this year be authentic and that it receives jesus that it focuses on jesus that it focuses not just on Jesus when he came as a baby, but it celebrates knowing that all the things he did when he lived here on earth were so that we could someday look forward to the day when he will come again. Otherwise, if he would not have come the first time when he comes again, would, would bring nothing but judgment and pain and eternal separation. But I praise you, God, that it can mean something different for us that the light has come in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That that peace that he speaks to us is not like the world gives, but is a peace that will endure, that will surpass understanding, that will take us through the deepest waters, the most difficult times, and to say, my Lord, I trust you. For you are coming one day for me. We look forward to the sending of Jesus. We recognize it will be said of the same way that his first coming was said of, that when the time was fully come, when the time was right. So when the time was right, God, you will send Jesus again to take us to be with you. We thank you that even as we celebrate Christmas, we can look to that and prepare ourselves for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Merry Christmas.